is a little unusual to have two people standing up here, and just by way of explanation of how this all sort of came about, uh, several weeks ago, Anna had mentioned to me after, I think after class one time, you know, that she'd been thinking about, like, biblical mentorship and leadership and, and that sort of thing, and that something was on her heart that she wanted to share, she just didn't know how to go about it. And as we kind of talked through it, it's like, it's a little bit more than a faith story, it's more involved than that. And uh, a couple of thoughts came to my mind because I knew that I would be preaching on August 7th. I was pre-scheduled to be up here today. So a couple of thoughts came to my mind. The first was, number one... Make me do all the hard work. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have to do so much work to prepare to be up here. But the second thing was, and most importantly, was I, I thought to myself, you know, what a shame if... Anna or any of the people in our church have something on their heart that they want to share, and they don't get the opportunity to do so, and with her leaving for college, this seemed to be the perfect day that we could work together. The idea came that maybe we'd work together on this sort of mentorship, uh, leadership in the Bible thing, and it dovetails with a couple of questions that we have, and it, amazingly, we have a mentor announcement today, so it all works together. Anna, why don't you start us off with what the questions are and what the scriptures we're going to be in this morning. So part of the sermon series we're doing here is the congregation is asking questions, and then we're doing sermons on them every week, kind of breaking it down, hopefully answering uh, what you guys are asking. So some of the questions that we're going to answer here today is, what is a mentor? What functions does a mentor have? And how can I mentor someone in a biblical way? And as I was sort of researching these questions and trying to find an answer, uh, the passage that I found and I kind of built my sermon around uh, is 1 Peter 5, verses 2 to 3. And if you could flip there, that would really help you keep along with this sermon. Um, so now, Greg, what is a mentor? Okay. Well, if we go to the internets, they call it, right? Google. <laughs> Google, it says, an experienced and trusted advisor or anyone who has a positive guiding influence in another, usually younger person's life, and mentorship is the guidance provided by a mentor, especially an experienced person in a company or educational institution for a period of time. So one of the neat things that I think, I mean, I'm interested in leadership, and I, I love to think about leadership and look at the examples in the Bible of leadership and one of the things that I think when we're talking about mentorship that we have to understand is there's a, cr a critical part of that, and that's the relationship between the mentor and the mentee. And I was very interested when you, when you told me the, the scripture that you had and how you put, pulled that all together. And, you know, mentorship is, is one of those things that when we, we know it when we see it, but we don't know always how to do it. And... We have an example from the Bible, and Anna did a really nice job of pulling this out. And the four, there's four components, right, that we're going to talk about today that kind of give us an idea of how we should, we should not only do this practically in our lives, but in a biblical way. So I want to revisit the First Peter 5, verses 2 to 3 verse, and just read that for you guys. So it says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And again, I feel like this verse is talking about how the body of Christ has to operate within itself, 
but then also talking about how we're supposed to be interacting with people outside of our faith. So the first part of this verse uh, that I've sort of picked apart for you guys today discusses being shepherds of God's flock and watching over his sheep. As Christians, we're leaders. It's simply part of the purpose, sort of, sort of our purpose to lead people to Christ, to build up, to encourage. But watching sheep doesn't always mean standing on a street corner proclaiming God's love for mankind. Sometimes it means listening to people, hearing their hearts and seeing them as God does, or taking care of their physical needs, like making sure they have food, water, clothing, a place to stay. It's steward, stewarding the lives God has placed in our care for however long and helping him to plant and water those seeds, which basically is what mentorship is about. And so, again, as I was preparing, um, Greg and I were talking about, like, what examples from the Bible can we find about mentorship? And he was like, well, we could just talk about Jesus. And I was like, yeah, but if we talk, I felt like I wanted, it's kind of hard to relate to God sometimes because he's perfect and everything he does is perfect. Um, so along the way, I have some examples of regular people in the Bible who were sort of figuring out the whole mentorship too. But for the first example, we're going to start off with Jesus. So um, <laughs> We can't go wrong no, starting off with Jesus. No. Right. So I wanted to uh, have you guys think about how Jesus was with his apostles and his disciples, how he had a relationship with the 12. And he didn't just tell them what to do. He lived with them. He ate with them. He took care of them. In many ways, he would go and serve serve them and serve other people around him. And in that way, he was being an example, but he was also building a relationship with them, showing them how to shepherd through his own experience and through his example. And that's just, I mean, it's Jesus. Like, it's incredible. And I personally have a story from the past two weeks. I haven't really been at church because I've been working at a camp in the Adirondacks for girls. It's called Camp Cedarbrook for those of us who have gone. Um, I was a counselor. I had a cabin the first week of five girls, the second week of three girls. But there's a lot of chores that the counselors have to do. And one of those chores is uh, a thing called D-Watch. So it's like at night after the campers are in bed, one person stays in the division. So if there's an emergency or the campers need something, they can come out to the D-Watch person or the D-Watch person can go out to them and be like, hey, what's the matter? Like, we're here to help you so that the counselors can have a break. They can go shower, go read a book, relax, or they can go to bed early. So I am on D-Watch on, I think it was Friday night. So I'm sitting on the picnic bench and it's dark and I have my flashlight and I'm kind of doing some work. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I hear a blood curdling scream from one of the cabins okay, <laughs> what is going on? So I walk up to the cabin, I'm like, hey, what's going on in there? Like, is everybody okay? And like the one girl is still inside the cabin shrieking and the other girls are yelling at her to stop shrieking. And so I'm like, can I come in? Like, is everybody good? Can I come into the cabin? They're all like, yeah, come in. So I walk into the cabin and like, okay, why, why are you screaming? And the girl's like, there's a bug in our cabin. I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> it is the Adirondacks. <laughs> so 
bugs are kind of part of the deal. So I'm like, okay, like, do you know where the bug is? And of course, she has like these really pretty string lights around her bed. I'm like, there's your first problem, is the bugs are attracted to the light. So I was like, is it okay if you could just turn off the light? And she's like, no, I can't, I can't sleep without light. I was like, well, the bugs really like the light, so you might have to turn off the light just for tonight. She's like, no, I can't do it. And then she sees the bug again, and then we do a whole another screaming episode. I'm like, okay, I'll kill the bug for you. So I, I climb up on her bed. She's on the top bunk, so it's a little weird, but I kill a mosquito, one mosquito. And then she sees another bug, so I kill that bug. It was a little flea. And then I was like, okay, do you think you could try turning off your lights now? Because I had scoured the cabin for bugs. And she climbs up in her bed, and she goes to turn off her light. She screams again because she sees a spider. And it wasn't just like a daddy long leg spider. It was like one of those really thick black spiders that was crawling along the ceiling. And she just lost it, and she jumped off the bed. She's like, you need to kill the spider. I was like, OK, I'll kill the spider. So then I get back on her bed, and I climb up. And I find the spider. I can't get it with my shoe. So I'm like, can you hand me something to kill the spider with? So she hands me a candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kill the spider with a candlestick. And I like get it in a tissue. And I like take it outside the cabin so that there's no more spider issues. And then she's like, can you just check the ceiling one more time to make sure there's no more bugs? So I like shine the flashlight. I'm like, do you want to see too? So she was shining the flashlight. and. She, was, she finally, the, the cabin passed inspection, and I was like, okay, well, it would help if you turn the lights off so that the bugs don't keep, like, coming over. So eventually, we get her to turn the lights off, and I'm like, as we're going through this, I was, I had, like, a thought. I was like, well, I wonder if they would, like, let me pray for them. So I asked them, and they're all like, yes, you need to pray for us. So um, <laughs> I, pr I start praying for the cabin, and I, was, I said something along the lines of, like, God, can you pre please send down, like, a legion of angels to protect this cabin from the bugs tonight? <laughs> and they were all like, yes. And then I, I got out of the cabin, and everything was fine, and they all went to sleep. But, like, just being able to be there with them and, like, still be able to preach to them about Jesus when they're afraid of bugs in the woods, um, like, it's so crazy because, like, I'm only 18, and I'm able to share with these girls and help them work through their fear and still point them back to Jesus. So. Well, that's what mentorship is, right? So we, we talk, started off talking about Jesus, who is the best leadership example that we could ever have and how he sort of works with his apostles. And then, you know, some of us in our work lives, we are in mentorship relationships as well. And if we, we don't even have to call it mm -hmm. biblical, right. right? We just follow the example that's in there, mm -hmm. call it mentorship, and take the word biblical out of it, it's still going to work. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's kind of cool about your story there is your, you know, all, so many of us, like I said, we've been bosses, we're in boss relationship, and mm -hmm. the boss, right, they can just say, it's 9 o'clock, it's lights out, turn the lights off, girls, and go to bed. But a, a mentor will spend the time to solve the problem with the girls, to spend time with them, to sort of build that relationship. That, that's what a mentor does, a little bit more than just being a boss. Yeah. And that might lead us into part number two, I think, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
I'm confused about yeah. all that. Let me, let me check my... Uh, <laughs> Too much highlighting. There we go. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not here now. All right. So, again, going back to the first Peter verse, the second part of it, if you look at it, uh, describes the attitude we must have towards, calling, towards the calling of being mentors and how to lead Christians, other people who haven't yet received Christ. And it's an honor. It's a blessing for us to have God's Spirit in us to giving us this ability to share more about him. And while working with others is hard, having the privilege to aid God in growing his kingdom is an incredible experience. And that can bring so much joy to everyone involved. And I mean, again, with my story, like it did bring me a lot of joy, even though they were terrified um, in that moment to be the one that was there for them and to help them and to speak into their lives. Um, and in the Bible, course. There's an example of this. Uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible, and Ruth, uh, Naomi and Ruth's relationship. So I think way back, you know, to the book of Ruth, when Naomi, she's grieving for the loss of her sons. She's grieving for the loss of her husband. And she decides to leave Moab and decides to go back to Israel and restart her life there. But she's all alone. And there's so much grief. And, you know, she changes her name. Um, and Ruth follows her. And even through all of the grief and all the like right she has to be angry and upset with everyone, um, she still mentors Ruth. She takes her in. She takes care of her. She shows her how to work. She tells her who to work for. And then helps her like with getting married. And like is this really amazing um, mentoring figure in Ruth's life. And because of the sacrifice that Naomi had that the, she gave her attitude towards helping Ruth, Ruth became um, a part of the lineage to Jesus. Naomi did not. Naomi was outside of that, but because of her sacrifice in bringing Ruth back to the truth, back to Jesus, and pointing her in God's direction, Ruth became a part of that lineage um, to Jesus, and a very important part, too. So, it's just incredible how our sacrifice and our attitude towards the people we're mentoring, towards the people we're speaking to, how much, like maybe it doesn't impact our life, but it can change their lives incredibly. And then all the people who come after them. So, Yeah, the mentor's attitude is very important for the whole, for it to work, right? And, and we see that when we disciple others as well. It, it has to be for the mentor about the other person. And have you ever noticed, maybe you have noticed or ever thought about it, have you ever noticed like top-level coaches in sports, how they're really demanding and we hold them up as these, like, these really super great leaders? Have you ever noticed that you don't ever see their assistants become greater than their coach, their mentor? Have you ever kind of noticed that? But we see in the Bible somebody like Naomi mentoring Ruth, and she becomes an important part of the lineage. We see John the Baptist, right? He says right out, I must become lesser as he becomes greater. I'm paraphrasing. That's not a direct quote from the Bible, but you understand, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's very important that the mentor has that right attitude. And one of the cool things I like, now that I've heard this story four or five times, one of the things that is really neat about listening to Anna tell her story about the killing the spider and all that, you can, like, you can get lost in all of those details, but I've never heard Anna say, this is good for my resume or good for me to get into college. And you see that a lot with teachers, not that you're going to be a teacher, but we have a lot of educators in our church. 
And you see that with teachers, right? Years after they've had a student, you know, they're so joyful with the success of their, of their student that they see years later and they sort of step back. And, you know, we, sometimes we see that with parents when they drop their kids off to college, right? It might be better for us to keep our people close, our family close, but you have to step back because that's what the mentee needs. And we see that all the time in the Bible. And we don't have to call it biblical. We can just look at the example and know that we're doing good leadership. What's number three? All right. So number three is also one of my favorites. Um, the third part of the verse in First Peter discusses not being dishonest, a.k.a. a need for transparency and openness for a mentorship to work. Communication and honesty are important in any relationship, but in a mentorship especially, as well as putting the needs of others under your care before your own, being a servant to all. In this way, we model Christ's love for others and stands out because this is not the way the world tells us or others to act. Um, and again, back to Jesus here, um, when he dined with the 12 for the Last Supper, um, he shared, I mean, he shared a lot of things with them then that probably they didn't understand, but he was being vulnerable. He was telling them about what the plan was. Like, guys, this is my body broken for you. Guys, this is my blood shed for you. Like, it's, it was a big deal for him. It's a big deal for us. Um, and then again, later that night when he pulled the three away to go to the garden. Um, and I really love that picture of pulling, like, your three closest friends, your three closest people to come with you to pray um, together. And in that story, I remember that Jesus, he went away a few times, but one of those times, he was under so much stress that he started sweating blood. And that, for me, paints a very graphic picture. And you, I feel like you would notice, right, if you have residue on your arms or your clothes from literally sweating blood because you're so stressed. Um, but he let his disciples see that. Like, he let them see what he was going through. He didn't push them away. He didn't try to hide it. Um, and that, I think, made them better mentors because they saw that they could be open with their fears, what they were struggling with, which, I mean, a mentorship is a relationship. Like, it goes both ways. The mentor and the mentee have to be able to trust each other. They have to have that relationship. They have to be open with one another. With one another. But it almost seems like this is all sort of tying together and all working together, right? You have to have the relationship. You have to have the right attitude. You have to have that, um, oh, jeez. What's the third one? Transparency. Oh, you have to have transparency. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to be able to be open with that person. You know, and, and look, honestly, we're not very good at that a lot of times, right? We, we don't want to really share. And in our work lives, we don't really want to open up to each other. And sometimes even with our own families, we don't want to open up to each other. That's not really mentorship. You know, it's tough. It's tough because, listen, you, you have a boss. A boss is a boss. A mentor is something different. And that's the example that keeps getting pointed out to us in the Bible is this is how it works better. If you do it this way, it will work better. I mean, you can win a basketball game by ordering your team to do this and that. But if you really want to build relationships and have those people develop, if we want to do that with each other and with people outside the church... It's the relationship is key. Oh, my goodness, I think I sound like Jen. 
Relationship, build relationship, build relationship. Yeah. So as, <laughs> as we continue this sermon, and I hope, like, as you walk out of here today, um, that you're thinking about the congregation here, about your relationships. Do you have people in your life that you can be open about, that you would let see if you were sweating blood? If you don't, look around the room, guys. That's what the church is for. Um, Amen. Even outside the church, find people, right? That's what we're all here for. Um, and then the last point that I uh, found in this verse uh, is <laughs> being an example and not lording over the authority that you have on, over those under you. That mentoring someone means not waving the knowledge that you have in their face, but rather peacefully and respectfully offering them help and guidance. Both people must be willing to work together and be vulnerable with each other for progress to be seen. And again, I have another story for you guys from the Bible. Um, Jethro and Moses. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. And he was, again, he had a relationship with Moses, a very strong relationship. And he saw that Moses was struggling, helping the people with all of their little conflicts, all their little arguments. And he goes up to Moses. He's like, hey, Moses, I notice you're struggling. Um, I have an idea that might help you. And he advised Moses to set up courts across the land to help the people um, with their problems so that Moses could picture on, focus on big picture things, um, which would ultimately help him lead the people better because they were getting the solutions for their problems and then he was focusing on leading through the bigger problems and Jethro through all of this he didn't abuse his relationship with Moses he advised Moses he didn't ask for Moses to give him a court he didn't ask for Moses to put him over all of the other courts he just approached Moses humbly as a father-in-law as an advisor and was like hey, like, you need help. You can't do this by yourself. Let me help you. Let the other elders here help you. And again, he didn't ask for anything from Moses to, like, make it work. He just wanted Moses to do his job as well as he could, to be the best leader he could be. And, I mean, it's a picture of Christ, you know? He wants us to do the best job that we can do. Um, and then again, you know, about Jesus mentoring his apostles and how he was, well, he's Jesus, authority over them. But. Yeah, well, yeah, Jesus has authority over us all, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course. But yeah, we, of course we see Jesus doing that repeatedly, bringing that inner circle to him. You know, uh, Peter, James, and John, they, a couple of times they get brought out from the other apostles for sort of special relationship with them. So we can see how it works in a very specific way. Um, but one of the neat things for me has been over the last few weeks is um, uh, as Anna has, you know, kind of talked through some of these examples, I was kind of struck by the fact that I wouldn't have thought of this in the same way. Like when, we, when she's explaining how this works for Jethro and, you know, he is advising Moses, to me, you think of Moses as the top guy, right? He has to be the mentor because he's the top guy. And here we have uh, Moses being mentored by someone, if in, it's an organization at a lower level than him, but willing to listen, and having multiple mentors is in Proverbs all the time. You know, m multiple advisors is a benefit to all of us. 
So it was kind of neat because the story of Jethro and Moses is definitely a leadership example, but it's usually taught as a delegation example. They hold up Moses as the example. Listen, this is how you should delegate, and it's used as a teaching point. And over the last several weeks, <laughs> Anna's explaining to me, wait a minute, there's more to this. And, and again, he doesn't get a benefit out of this. So Jeth- we see Jethro here have a relationship, point one, has the right attitude. He's not seeking his own personal gain, mm-hmm. right? They, we know that they must be transparent, right? We're going to assume that that's happening. Probably and then he doesn't lord it over. It does, he doesn't lord over the fact that he's his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And we see how it, how it works. And we see, of course, we see Jesus do it. Of course, we should maybe perhaps think about maybe we should do it sort of the way that Jesus does it. So, am I missing something? You're looking at me like I should have uh, said something different. No. Oh, I think no. that okay. covers everything. Okay. Yeah, hey, listen, that was, uh, that's sort of biblical mentorship, sort of an overview out of First Peter, right? And, and those four points as they sort of get brought out, they give us some things to think about as we go forward and we develop our relationships with each other and in our own lives, not even necessarily here. But I thought that it was a, it was a real blessing to me to work with Anna. So why don't you pray us out as the worship team comes up and we'll sing one last song and then we'll close. Cool. All right. God, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity today to work with Greg to share this message, Lord, I know it was a lot of planning, and I was a little stressed about it, but thank you for coming through for me. Lord, I pray that as everyone, the church, Lord, walks out of here, that they take something from this message and put it into practice, Lord, in their own lives. Um, but thank you so much for being here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.